Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Hello and welcome to part two of Goals for Unschooling. If you missed part one, go back to the previous episode because you're going to miss a whole bunch if you, if you skip that. This is a continuation of the previous episode and I think there's some really good stuff in there. So whether you're new to unschooling or you're already unschooling and just looking for some information on how to better do it, I think this is a great episode to listen to. So without further delay, part two of Goals for Unschooling. The next goal is adaptability. This is the, as far as I can see in the future, the only thing we know that's going to continue for sure is that change will only accelerate. It's the only constant. There will always be change. I shouldn't say we know it's going to accelerate, but we know it's going to happen and likely accelerate. AI is here. Change is going to happen faster than ever. In my lifetime, we've seen more change than any other previous generation. And in their lifetime, we're going to see more change than any other previous generation. It's going to be incredible. It's an exponential change. If you don't know what Moore's Law is, please Google it. And what that Moore's Law says is every year and a half to every two years, technology processing speed is going to double. Therefore, the the ability of computers will hence double, and especially with AI. And when you have AI creating AI, that might even not be true anymore. It might even be faster than that. There's a lot of debate out there. So even today, we must learn how to adapt and change quickly. So within that, what I think we need to do to teach adaptability and really fast change or just change in general is we need to have them have the ability to teach their self. Because if you teach this once, they can learn any skill. That's where unschooling is incredibly strong. I mean, what a powerful tool. They are interested in something, they can pick it up and they'll learn it and they know they can do it and they can do it efficiently. They know how to concentrate. They know how to do a deep dive into something. And if they're good at teaching their self, they're going to do it more. And when they see a need to learn it, they're going to be able to learn it. And again, going back to our responsibilities, we're here to point out why they would need it. For example, my son is really big into Legos and we think maybe he would be good at engineering. So we say, if you want to build stuff in the future, like real stuff, like we could talk about cars and buildings and whatever you want, you're going to need to be really good at math. So that's something you're going to want to focus on. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, and he kind of understands it. So that's us fulfilling our responsibility. Another way we can... encourage this adaptability or ability to change is encourage them to reinvent their self. Give them a growth mindset, not fixed. 
If you're not familiar with this, what we're talking about is a growth mindset is you see the opportunity in things. And I'm going to simplify. I know people are going to rip me apart for not. There was a, a book written about growth mindset for fixed. So I'm just going to paraphrase to the best of my memory. Uh, a growth mindset, you're going to see the opportunity. You're not going to believe in these limiting beliefs where you say, I can't do that. I can't learn something. Change can never happen to me. Because uh, those are all ev evident things from a fixed mindset. Like I can't grow. I'm not able to grow. I was born this way and it'll never change that kind of stuff. But if you have the growth mindset, you, you really are able to change things. And I remember going through this in my mid twenties was just realizing that I had a fixed mindset and not growth. And I changed that over and I've done, I think pretty well. We also have to encourage curiosity and just see the opportunity in changing. You know, when we see something that isn't working or a way to do it better, we just go, oh yeah, look at that. That's interesting. I wonder, wonder why that happened. I wonder if there's a better way. Interesting. You know, like that kind of stuff. We really need to model all of this as we go through this. Just remember, we need to model this in ourselves. So this is ultimately changing ourselves as well, because that's what they're really going to look at. I know that when I'm in conversation with my children, I try and normalize change. Like, man, I'm having a hard time. I might say something like this. I'm having a really hard time with X, but I decided to change it and now I'm doing Y. So I normalize change and that's really my, really my strategy with this. And I teach them how to adapt through modeling it. Again, this is through conversations and I just continue to point out the necessities along the way. I make sure I emphasize that life is a series of peaks and valleys and change is always going to be there. So we just need to prepare for those. Like when things look great, just remember the next thing that's happening is probably a valley. Or when things look really down, you know, there's going to be a peak eventually. You're going to get out of it. I also talk when things are hard. I, I express that I'm getting frustrated or overwhelmed in something. For example, starting this podcast has been very difficult for me because I'm somewhat of a perfectionist. So I've had to get by and not having the perfect album cover or music or whatever it might be and just do it. So I talk about that with my kids. I'm doing acting right now and I haven't been very successful probably up until recently. And I just, we continue to talk about how hard it is for me. And, and this is a skill I've never done. I was never in theater. I'm 42 years old and I'm just now picking this up at 42 so it's a huge bend in my mind, but I'm trying to practice it as I preach. This is a skill I have zero development in. Hey, let's see if I can do it and cultivate that that skill because I think it's good to just stay sharp like that mentally. I also, in order to encourage this, this adaptability within them is I walk beside them when they are struggling and I give them some empathy. I see them trying to change and I just go, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard because even adults struggle with this. Moving on are, let's see, we've done two. So uh, the third is self-directed learning. That's another goal. And this is what established this, establishes them as a lifelong learner. Again, we have to model this as well. We need to have things that we're learning. We can't just sit and watch TV all day or live in distraction. 
And I have to tell you, when you're doing this self-directed learning thing, this is where the genius comes out. I referenced the Beatles thing earlier. I look like a genius anytime I was talking to someone about the Beatles, even my parents who grew up with the Beatles. Uh, I knew way more than they did. And I got to tell you, when you learn this way, you're learning faster and you retain more. I would argue that learning really doesn't happen otherwise, unless you see the absolute necessity. And in schools, we rely 100% on the punitive repercussions from not learning it and fear is the motivator. And I don't think that's a great motivator, but most of us, we lived in a world, we grew up in a world where we had to fear the grade. We had to fear not having the homework done. We had to fear all this. And we learned that fear is a motivator. And I don't think that's great. So we're going to focus on a goal of self-directed learning and going after worth-worthy pursuits. I also think that the that our goal should be making them well-rounded in their self-directed learning, which means we need to expose them to other topics like science, biology, uh, geography, history, and, uh, and, and more, and just continue to show the importance of these things along the way. Again, we need to, our responsibilities within this are embedded throughout. I don't always mention it, but we need to make sure we're exposing them to different things, different ideas, different experiences. So that way they get to know their self better and they know what they even want to pursue with self-directed learning. Now, my strategy for self-directed learning is we give them the tools, give them a ton of encouragement and then get out of the way, right? This is where the unschooling thing comes out. Getting out of the way is one of the best things you can do, but I do believe a 10 out of 10 responsibility with the parent is giving them the tools, giving them encouragement, pointing them in the right way. They don't have to listen. There are people, they have a choice, <laughs> and you're not going to be able to force them. So give them the tools, encourage them, and get out of the way. Uh, some personal examples are my son, who's nine right now, is working on his first certification for coding. I, I don't know if he's going to finish it. He really doesn't need it, but he, he wanted to do that. And I just give him the encouragement along the way. And it's just amazing to watch him talk, talk about coding. And my wife went to coding boot camp, so she understands this stuff, but I, I coded, learned how to code 20 years ago. It's totally different now. I understand the basics, but boy, oh boy, it's cool to hear him talk and it impresses the crap out of people. when when he does that, it just looks like a genius. And it's so fun to watch the genius come out. The self-directed learning thing is where the genius comes out. Uh, we give the kids apps. Uh, any, we put them in summer camps. And again, like I'm not anti-curriculum. I'm just anti-forced curriculum. So there's a curriculum with the camps, but we let them choose which camps they want to go to. A lot of them have been coding camps this summer, learning how to skateboard, whatever they're into. We, we allow them to do that. Again, curriculum's not bad in my head, unless you're forcing it because you're going to make him hate it. So we find different things that have a curriculum. And then on the other end of that curriculum is, uh, some kind of maybe certification or knowledge, even though I don't necessarily think that's required to do, but I think there's some benefit in it. We give them books. Um, it, you know, if we're interested, if, if they're interested in dinosaurs, we go to the library and we get a whole bunch of books on dinosaurs and they just dive in and they learn and they learn. And then we might go over and take them to the Great Lakes Science Center for a, because uh, we got a membership there and we can learn about all these things or the Natural Science Center or Natural History Museum. All these cool things and we just dive in with them and we get to learn along with them, which also is a lot of fun. 
we keep plenty of loose paper around so that way they can write all they want and we also give them access to a stapler so they can make books so they're making these stories and they're being creative and all these different ways and it's just a lot of fun but self-directed is the way genius comes out in my opinion the fourth goal that i can see is in its most basic form is nurturing creativity i can't express the importance of nurturing creativity in children this is how innovation happens creativity leads to innovation when you cross it with problem solving right so <laughs> This is an incredible topic, and I'll probably do an entire podcast or series, who knows, about this. But this may be the last thing humans are really good at. Because AI is here, and it's not going away. It's going to grow exponentially. And But here's the thing. AI, in its current state, and as far as I can see in the future, and this could change, but AI only makes connections with things that already exist. It's very good at predicting things. It does not create something completely new. In fact, there's some that argue ChatGPT is a plagiarism machine because it's taking all the essays that are available on the internet up to a certain date and then doing, you know, combining them in a way that makes it one coherent essay, right? One, one coherent response. And it's not going to come up with anything new unless it's, you could argue, maybe the hallucinations are creativity. I've heard that, and I think that's a great argument. But truly, right now, if you want to create something new, you, a new idea is not on the internet, and it can't create something new. It can create connections between two things to create something new between the connections, but not something we've never thought about and never expressed on the internet at the very least. Um. So this creativity and being able to create something in your head that doesn't currently exist may be an exclusively human thing. And as far as I'm concerned, it's worth investing in. Another point on this nurturing creativity thing or goal is learning how to ask great questions. Now we know this is a superpower. If you've ever followed like Tim Ferriss and his stuff, his superpower was asking great questions to, to figure out what, how the best performers did what they did. And he saw common themes, published some books on it. For example, Tools of the Titans uh, and others. But I believe with AI, this is only going to be even more important. And the better questions you can ask, the better responses you will be able to get. Because if we ask very pointed questions, AI is going to respond in an appropriate way. It's a it's a completely logic based. Not only that, like asking great questions for ourselves just on our own is a superpower. So this is something I, I I think is is very important for children. So my strategy is to allow I create spaces to allow creativity. And when I say spaces, this could be structure as far as timing, uh, all that stuff. So, so I'll give you some examples. In the morning, I, I read a book, and I'm blanking on what it was. I read a lot of books about education when I was first doing this, child education. They, they, they said that kids in the morning who do active play had more creativity. It was like a study. <laughs> and again, I, I'll have to look it up if I can find it. But 
they found that kids who were allowed to free play in the morning, they had more creativity cultivated. And my strategy is, if that's true, allow them to play in the morning, do whatever they want, get them moving around, you know, where they get all their energy out, especially for little boys, where they got a ton of energy and they don't want to sit down and do stuff. Well, if you get all that energy out in the morning, you let them free play, interact with other kids, then do the sit down stuff in the afternoon, that creates great structure and it builds their creativity because they're doing these imaginary games with the kids and all this stuff and they're creating rules to games that they all created and they have to do it collectively. So kind of a cool thing. Another way to do this nurturing creativity thing is limit TV and video game time. We only do TV and video games after they take a bath in the evening or shower in the evening. And we only do it on certain lights, but they know what to expect. So they're not disappointed or frustrated or wondering if they're going to get it tonight. And then their expectations are let down. So we create the space for them to do that, uh, to, to, uh, anticipate what they're going to do in the evening because they know they're not playing video games and that structure and that reliability and knowing in advance really, I think propels them forward. Cause a lot of times they'll go to learning which is crazy to say, but that's what they do. Uh, we also do, we, we utilize quiet times. This is for us to be able to take a nap if we need to, <laughs> including the children. But the rule is you can do anything you want. You just have to do it quietly, kind of like we do in the evening or when they go to bed. But they can read books, they can draw, but they just can't run around and they can't interact with the other kids. They just have to be quiet and do pick something. So this creates a, a nice safe place for maybe I want to learn how to draw, the kid thinks, and then they, you know, get out their notepad and start drawing. And we've seen some pretty cool stuff out of that. The next go goal, I think, is social skills development. This is moving on. This is uh, goal number five, social skills development. This is one of the things that's most scary for parents who decide to homeschool because you lose your social network in a lot of ways if you're pulling them out of school. Now this can be, speaking from someone who was homeschooled, this has come a long way, but it can be very harmful to the development if you don't put them in situations where they can develop this. So when I specifically talk about social skills development, I'm saying how they interact with others and and doing it in an appropriate way or how to interact with others and, and doing that in an appropriate way. That's what I'm really referring to as social skills development. This can happen in play. It can happen in conversation. It can happen at the gas station talking to the attendant. It can happen anywhere. So my strategy is putting kids in situations where they'll get the skills to interact with people of all ages. This is kids through adults because I believe that just putting kids in a cohort of other kids who are at the almost exact same age is only harming them socially. Of course, there's a huge advantage, but that stops at a certain point and it actually becomes harm because they only know how to interact with kids their own age. Homeschoolers miss the big advantage, but they get the other end where they're able to interact with people of all ages. So, and I also have a problem with just putting kids of the same age together and that's their only 
interactions, you know, which is what school does for the most part, as a general rule they do. Because I, I think that when you see other kids who are less developed get away with something, you tend to get a, a good portion of the kids drop down to a lower level of maturity. And then you, you start to question if you're a more mature kid, why am I even trying to do this? And it might even encourage your kid to then drop their maturity level. I know when my kids went to an after school program, it was for chess. We, we utilized after school programs. They wanted to learn how to play chess. Cool. We learned how to play chess. We sent them to this to play with other kids. And the first thing they both said when they came back is no one pays attention to the teacher. They're just talking over him and doing all this stuff. And like, they were just like appalled. Like they, they weren't respecting the adult. And I just laughed and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of how school is. Kids are the same age as them. And they're seeing this and it's like, wow. Uh, leaving out that type of interaction is beneficial in some ways. So our, our goal is to get them interacting with kid, people of all ages. So what we do is we get them involved in social events. This is, this is how we do it. This might be sports. So we got them in baseball this summer. We had them in basketball over the winter. We're going to do other stuff. You know, we get church activities where they have a, a, a kid's night where they play, you know, different sports, different things. I can't remember what they do. They're dodgeball and stuff like that. A lot of fun, a lot of interaction, especially for little boys. Summer camps, they get to choose the topics and then they're surrounded by kids, but they're really interested in learning. Uh, get them out to playgrounds. If they find kids that they like, get play dates going, take them to libraries. Usually they have events. Homeschool groups in COVID, super hard because we lived, we started homeschooling during COVID, like right before COVID. And we started to dive into homeschool groups and they were non-existent, of course, but they're coming back. So hopefully we find something that's worth doing. I think we're probably going to have to create our own. But uh, local events where they have things for kids. That's always cool. After school programs that I already mentioned, we utilize those quite a bit. All different ways to socially integrate your children with other people. But doing it in a way where it doesn't stop their self-directed learning if that makes sense, meaning that we didn't send them to school to do so and that for seven and a half hours or whatever they're at school for. We also do things like with adults, right? So we have them order at restaurants. We have them pay for things. We have them, you know, where they have to interact with the adult and answer questions. We allow them to have conversations, not allow them. I mean, like technically, yeah, we, we, we invite them in to conversations with adults and allow them to have their own opinions so they know how to interact. And this tends to bring a certain level of maturity to them, I, I think. This is what was done with me when I was a child. And I think it was very big for me to be able to, to talk articulately and express my own opinion and have confidence in my own opinion because it was stood against adults, <laughs> which was pretty impressive. And, and, and they respected that. I, I thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, last Last goal that I can see, and this is again, my current goals, which I do give the liberty to change. But as far as I can see right now, the last goal is self-knowledge. This is, I define this as they know what they need to be functional and successful about their, about their self. They, they know what they need to be functional and successful. I believe this is completely missing in traditional schooling and it plagues 
people throughout their adulthood. They don't know their self. They don't know how much sleep they need. Is it eight hours? Is it 10 hours? Is it six hours? What do you need? No, you just go for whatever school says or whatever work says. No way. We need to know ourselves. Uh, when do you do best creative work? Morning? Afternoon? I know for me it's morning. I'm 42 years old and just figuring this out. I want my kids to do this. This should be one of the first things we allow kids to learn. But the thing is, when you got them in school and they all have to do the same thing, it doesn't matter. You conform instead of learn about yourself. There's something wrong with you if you're not able to do it to the level of everyone else. Maybe it's just the wrong time or the wrong way, or maybe you ran out of energy. Maybe you got something going on at home. You know what I mean? Like self-knowledge, learning, learning about your feelings, learning about how you do or learn best, audio, visual, reading, doing, whatever it might be. All things that are very important. And I believe this is going to help your kids learn how to take care of their self, often referred to as self-care, how to manage their time well, how they function best. They know what they like and they know what they don't so they can make decisions about their career in the future, about what they want to do and what they don't want to do, what they're good at, what they're not good at, what they want to avoid. I mean, these are very important things I think that we should be instilling into our children or at least giving them opportunities to learn. And we try and encourage that with school, but then we send the message of you can't make any of your own decisions. We're going to tell you what to learn, when to do it. You're going to sh show up at a certain time. You're going to do it up until a certain age, to, regardless of how gifted you are with few exceptions. Man, imagine if you knew what, you're <laughs> what you were good at and what you were bad at coming out of college and you knew exactly what you wanted to do. Some people are blessed with that perspective. I think they're the exception, not the rule. Man, oh man, if I, I would have loved that, but that, of course, wasn't my journey. Um, so my strategy is allow them to make their own decision within reason about when, where, what, and how they spend their time and what they do. Now, a couple personal examples that we, that'll exemplify how we allow them to learn about themselves, their self is we allow our kids to stay up as late as they want. Yes, heresy. We allow, <laughs> we allow them to stay up as late as they want reading. We have a bedtime. We get them to bed. But the lights go out. You can turn your reading light on. Stay up as late as you want. But if you choose to stay up really late, you're still going to have to wake up at the normal time and function. And then we allow them the normal consequences. Now, we've worked really hard on allowing them to figure out when they want to wake up because they can also wake up as early as they want. Same consequences. Uh, but I could tell you, when we go in there and wake them up, we usually let them sleep if they're still tired because usually it's just from a big day, not from staying up. But we do allow them to learn when they how much sleep they need, if they need to sleep in, if they're a morning person, if they're not, that kind of thing. So we try to allow them... Uh, those opportunities too. It just gets a little harder when you have a schedule, but those are an exception, not the rule. Uh, we allow them to decide what they do during their quiet times. I referenced, referenced this earlier, reading, writing, building with Legos, doing whatever they want. They, they can choose and they get to know what they like, what they don't like, what they're, what they're good at, what they're not. They choose the camps, the sports, the extracurricular activities. This, we did, I, I referenced chess, baseball, basketball, um, coding camps and robot camps and skateboard camps and all these different things 
they get to know their self. Like, what do I like? Imagine if you had that opportunity, you got rid of all of school and you had the opportunity to just pick things that you might be interested in. I might want to be an astronaut. Let's get him to the astronaut camp. Imagine that childhood. Holy crap. We also let them know when we're leaving and they get to decide what they need to get ready. We just say, hey, we're going to be leaving in 15 minutes and let them take responsibility for knowing what they need. Now, we, of course, coach them along the way and might say something like, hey, we're going to basketball, so make sure you have your water bottle and your jersey and everything and all that stuff. But eventually, it just turns into, hey, we got basketball, make sure you're ready. We're leaving in 10. And then they have to go in and do get that. Now, here's the thing. My middle son always forgets his water bottle. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter if we're leaving the house or coming from an event back home. He'll forget it both places, in the car, just constantly. And what we do is we allow him to forget it. Now, he doesn't have water when he's at basketball, but he can go to the drinking fountain, which is a big inconvenience. And it singles him out a little bit, but would you rather have him learn that lesson at seven years old? Like I need to come up with a system to remember, or I need to like, man, this has affected my life a lot. And he gets to then learn from those consequences. Or would you rather have him do it at 15 or maybe 25 or 40? Now, of course I'm going to protect him. If he needs the water, he's going outside to play in the dead of heat in the summer and we need water and there's none available. Like I'm going to remember that's why we want it to be done at an age in which they have someone looking out for them. That they can still learn their lesson, but we can protect them from the catastrophic failure. When you're older, you have no one looking out for you. When you're 15, we're barely able to look out for you because you won't let us. <laughs> but when they're young, we can allow them to learn these consequences as early as possible. And that's one of the strategies or the uh, responsibilities that we have. Now, Another example to learn about their self is we give them a vast amount of knowledge available, like books and stuff like that. They can learn what they like and what they don't like from those. And eventually it's going to be the internet. We don't currently allow them to just browse the internet with things, but we're looking into possible alternatives to YouTube or ways to use YouTube where they can't get on all, all the different channels and get into all the crazy stuff that might be out there. So stay tuned for that. Now, in conclusion... We covered the responsibilities we have as an unschooling parent, and that was to, one, expose them to new ideas, experiences, info. Two, emphasize the importance of this knowledge in the future, that we're, they point, point out what knowledge is important in the future for their sake. Three, give tools to be successful when they are ready, and four, allow them to practice in a safe way, meaning they're going to feel the consequences and this, this teaches them. Or they can learn from your words, which is the best. And then the goals of unschooling our children, what we hope to instill on them as we go on this journey with them is life skills acquisition, adaptability, self-directed learning and bringing out their genius, nurturing creativity, social skills development, and knowledge about their self or self-knowledge. And I think if we do this, we're going to have pretty successful little adults by the time they're done with us. I mean, my goal is to really get my kid to be able to support their self. And, you know, if I were to leave this planet and do nothing more, 
by the time they are a teenager, they have the ability to do pretty much all of the stuff if they just were to continue down the path that I've laid out for them. So I hope this helps you guys in building your goals for your unschooling and uh, defining out your responsibilities for unschooling. Again, that's what I have laid out. And as far as I can see, that's what I got. And I'm open to uh, feedback on that because I'm always trying to learn and grow and I do reserve the right to change. (laughs) Because that's part of my goals for my kids. So it's also a part of goals for me because I think it's very important. But that's it. Thank you for listening, guys. And we'll see you in the next episode. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world, and the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message, and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.